Hello, Chris here from Old Dirty Brastards. If you're a big fan of this podcast, you can support it through the ACAST support feature. You can give as little or as much as you like, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the description to support now. Thank you. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, I'm Chris Smith from Old Dirty Brastards. In today's podcast, we're going to be concentrating on our first single release, Everything Will Be Alright by The Killers. You may want to go and listen to this. There will be a link to our Spotify page in the description of the podcast. So go and have a listen and enjoy the podcast. Right, hello. Welcome to the very first Old Dirty Brastards podcast. Basically, the idea behind this is that we've got a load of single releases coming up. We've got eight single releases coming out, and we're just going to talk about each one. So this episode is about the first one that we've released, which is Everything Will Be Alright by The Killers. So let's just introduce everyone that we've got in the room with us today. Producing us, and it was his idea. He thought this would all be a really good idea, and it is a good idea. It's Mr. Seb Philpott, trumpet Hello. player extraordinaire. Hello, yeah, here he is, trumpet player extraordinaire in the Old Dirty Brastards. Uh, and then joining us today, we have the extraordinarily talented Mr. Johnny Abraham, who uh, arranged arranged the tune that we're releasing. He produced it and he comes and plays trumpet with us as well. Hello. Hello. Hi, Johnny. Hi. How are you today? You're right. Yeah, good. Thanks. Enjoying lockdown? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, this is a good bit. <laughs> I'm enjoying this bit. <laughs> Excellent. We'll try and keep it good for you for the next 40 odd minutes. <laughs> and then uh, on my computer screen on Zoom to his right, we have Mr. Barney Philpot, brother of Sebastian Philpot. He made a video that goes with this single and he's also producing some of the singles as well. And he is trombone extraordinaire in Old Dirty Brasters. Hi, Barney. How you doing? Hello. Very well, thanks. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. Extraordinary to be Zooming not in the evening for once. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? A bit weird. Yeah. <laughs> and then right below him, propping us all up, is the lovely, lovely Mr. Kai Isfrin, all the way from Wales, but living in uh, South East London. A trumpet player extraordinaire as well in Old Dirty Brasters. How you doing, Kai? You all right? I'm fine, thanks. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> hello. 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 Kai, Kai, you're like, um, you're like Atlas. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm on the bottom. God, you're on the bottom, so you're holding up. Bearing the burden. <laughs> Yeah. He's the foundation. He's the foundation. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, that's a Zoom <laughs> Yeah, for those that can't see us. Very <laughs> visual gag. So this is our first single that we released. It's called Everything Will Be Alright by The Killers. And it's quite an interesting one because it's not really, it's not a single. It's not like a massive single from the album. Um, but 
when we've done it live because it finishes the whole album it's quite a straightforward number but johnny arranged it and it's we just thought we had to release it because it's an absolute belter so johnny you've changed it a bit let's talk about the arrangement i guess to start with like when you did it what were you, what were your thoughts behind it did you find it quite difficult to to sort of work with or did you thought right i've got an idea for this it was one of those where um from just working from the original you realize pretty quickly that it's not gonna work for a um a lyricless brass covers band you know you're gonna need something more in there than to 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 create the excitement at at the beginning i thought i was just gonna have an 808 electric drum machine type thing for five and a half minutes with some spaced out brassy bits but then you know i just realized that that wasn't going to be very interesting (laughs) so so it starts like that the 808 and the kind of blissed out reverby phasey brass pivots in the middle on this kind of like raunchy jazz break thing yeah and then um there's some singing yeah and then there's some little hidden quotes from some other killer songs what was your what was the idea of putting the singing in because i know there's a there's always like um, Dickie Turner, uh, another bastard you're yet to meet. Um, he always talks about a Jim Watson quote when he used to do arranging classes with him at the Academy, um, Royal, the Royal Academy of Music listeners. It's where some of us yeah. uh, studied, um, along with other it's music colleges. Boo. Boo, yeah, boo, scumbags. <laughs> um, but Jim Watson would always say in his arranging classes, he'd say that brass is boring. So you've always got to do something to sort of change it. So was that sort of get, the, get yeah. some singing in there just to sort of break it up a bit or... Well, yeah, it's, it, this this is five and a half minutes long, and and I think that that's too long. <laughs> I think that's too long. Anyway, really, yeah. I suppose contrast is key, so that's that was important. But also just because the I did Google lyrics for this song, and it's quite funny because you know you got your verses, but then it's just everything will be all right repeated over and over again. So it's just quite a a strong direct sentiment that even 10 of um you know maybe a more agricultural singers can just enjoy <laughs> agricultural um, <laughs> farmers <laughs> I mean, we, are, we are dressed like farmers to be fair i was thinking rustic but you know like we've we've tried singing before and and it hasn't necessarily worked and then when we do this live it does it works because everyone's just free in their own voice and it's not it's not a case of trying to make it the tightest yeah. most in tune you know like it it's just a group sentiment yeah. i mean i'm no it's the last it's time like we did polite... a sing along it was deemed so bad that actually the producer ended up layering you johnny 10 times <laughs> on top which of yourself even, which was even worse <laughs> it's like a hor- it's like a horrible um <laughs> what do they call them artifact it's like a horrible digital artifact. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's not uh, let's not reference that song. No, but I really, but that's the thing that you did of it because I'm no singer, but I really enjoyed singing my part. 
I like getting stuck into it because, you know, it's just quite, it's a nice little free-for-all, isn't it, really? But you've done it in such yeah, a way and, that you can't really was, go wrong. It's the, I suppose, like the, the safety in numbers thing. And when we were recording that, it was a case of just leaving the mic where it was for the whatever brass instrument and just singing it how you would at a gig. Mm. So it's nice. It's a nice bit of togetherness. Yeah, I enjoy it. I enjoy that bit. It's definitely one of those things that like there's a huge benefit of having played that in a show like I don't know what we've done it like five six times before we recorded it that like you can recall how you felt when you first did it live and you go oh this is so special so then you bring that into the recording room and and then and then feel that moment again rather than yeah if like you had gone oh i've got a new arrangement lads come and record it and we go what you want to sing and then it wouldn't be done with the sentiment in the right way and mm. yeah i remember when we first did that we were like we're live we were like well we've got to we've got to get this out there there's the, the world's turning upside down every other week so there'll be mm. there'll be a great reason at some point to put this out as a as a sentiment and um little did we know yeah, I had a real moment listening to it when Johnny first sent it over because I remember texting Johnny saying at, at the time when this all happened, saying, oh, it would be great to have that track out now because the sentiment of it and that bit where we start singing in the end is really tugs at the heartstrings because you, you think, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I want to be thinking right now. Everything is yeah, going to be all right. And also just when you're, when you're apart from your mates and we're mates as well, mm. aren't we, which is nice. Yeah in this band but when you're apart and then you hear someone's voice you know having we were we were just so used to seeing each other and hugging each other and playing with each other like however many times a week and then that just gets cut off so it it kind of has that direct line to your to your soul yeah um to hear to hear your friend's voice in your ear yeah yeah so that's nice particularly get a lot of chris on that uh yes as well but i think i could could, actually (laughs) i do have to say that to my my fault i um i forgot to get rick so there is no rick there um god Uh, but he is a colleague yeah (laughs) but that's it rick didn't quite um pass the the friend for the threshold did (laughs) no rick i love you if you're lovely rick is our our lovely northern drummer um who we will have on uh, one of these episodes so you know Stay tuned if you want to hear from Rick. But what you're saying is right, Johnny, as well. It's like, because I, I mean, as a band, if we're not out on a weekend doing a public gig, it's probably likely that, you know, we're doing something for a private audience, you know, whether it's a wedding or a, a corporate engagement or something like that. So we do, you know, we do see mm. each other a lot, which is like, as soon as yeah. you're in lockdown, it's something that you re- you do realise. You're like, oh, wow, yeah, we don't see each other. And we're very unfortunate yeah. Yeah. that we do get to see each other a lot. It's sort of something that you take for granted because we're just working together in a way but it's really nice i don't think you can actually anticipate the feeling you're going to get when you first step out onto a stage and do a you know oh, for man. audience and performer i think it's going to be quite a 
quite an emotional experience, isn't it? I think yeah. it's just, you know, you can see a lot of, there'll be a lot of, maybe a lot of tears, perhaps, I don't know. But I think so. it's going to be a really, a really good feeling as well. Like, you know, you know we, we get itchy fingers when we haven't done a gig. You know, you notice when we haven't done something for like a two-week period or something, and then we get out, they go, God, we haven't done that for like two weeks. And it's just like, oh, yeah. I, I picture the uh, the blues kitchen in Brixton mostly when I think of coming back to live gigs. Yeah. I, I guess we probably played there the most over the last year, uh, you know, for a lot of these album shows we've done. It was also the last place we saw each other. Yeah. We rehearsed in the daytime. That's right. That's yeah. maybe why yeah. we, we left our heart at the Brixton blues kitchen. Yeah. 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 So I just, I do see like it as that it's sort of become a bit of a home. And uh, when I think of our first gig back, I think of the, the layout of the room and and it's it's like that thing of every action has an equal opposite reaction. When we play, the audience are so engaged and they're, they're singing back at us and they're, they're, we can see the whites of their eyes. It's a real dialogue and you're really communicating. And that's something you, you cannot replicate uh, no matter what software you've got. Hmm. If you're just at home on your own, you know, it, it's it's a, it's a one-way thing. You can mix it together and put something out, but you don't have that immediate uh, visceral connection to an audience. So I, as, that's the thing I just keep picturing in my mind, that, that you know, the Brixton Blues Kitchen will be back there one day. Talking about the Brixton Blues Kitchen yeah. must be the hardest place in London to uh, stick to the social distancing rules. It's crammed <laughs> in there. Yeah, you try and keep them all two metres apart. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be impossible. Yeah, social distancing in the green room of the Bristol Blues. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. you just find uh, like five bastards taped to the wall <laughs> and the ceiling. Yeah, that's the only way to do it. Uh, yeah, for the people who have never had the pleasure of stepping foot in the brixton blues kitchen green room it's yeah it's more of a green cupboard drinking neck oil out of with a massive straw (laughs) yeah you're lucky to get 10 of us in there it's quite special but that adds to the adds to the fun i guess doesn't it it's nice to get out get out and go do the actual gig (laughs) just get out of the cupboard and go and play the gig nice um but that's yeah so i guess the brixton thing ties us all in quite nicely doesn't it because this you know that is where this track would have been previewed for the first time about a year or so ago we did our first ever full album gig. But I mean, I remember Kai, you first saying a couple of years back, I think it was when Sergeant Pepper was, was it 50 years old? And you said, oh, we should do the whole of Sergeant Pepper. And we sort of said, oh, that would be amazing. But how are we going to do it? Because that was at a peak, a time when we didn't probably rehearse together as much as we should. We just sort of stuck to a, the old format of just doing gigs with our old set. And then eventually sort of, you know, we ended up working in tandem with the Blues Kitchen and came up with doing the Arctic Monkeys first album show. And we sort of been on a different trajectory ever since, you know, and our workload has tripled, I would say, tripled if not, you know, five times more or whatever. But, you know, we've just been churning out loads and loads more arrangements and the standards gone up on how we work. And now we've done about four or five different ones and we've got another three in the pipeline. And it's just changed the whole sort of work ethic of the band and our ethos. And that's where this one comes from, the Killers album. This track stands out as one of the ones that we really love playing just because, like, talking about it, you've got that lovely little, all the cryptic little bits at the end and you've taken a track that could seemingly be nothing and turned it Mm. into an absolute belter of a song. And, you know, maybe maybe better the original dare we say it (laughs) it's funny i basically whenever i arrange a song i like to try to find as many performances and versions of that song as i can Mm. you know including covers and live things that kind of stuff but with everything will be all right 
There is one live video on YouTube um, from 2005. They played it at the Richmond County Ballpark in Staten Island, New York. Wow. And other than that, I can't find any recording of this song. And it's um, it's really it's just a, a bit of phone footage. So, wow. and especially from 15 years ago, it's not it's not very good. So is it, that suggests that they only played it while they had the first album out only i think so and then and and um it's interesting because there's no um ronnie the drummer ronnie he's uh he's not playing the drums he's playing um a synth or a drum machine down the front they don't look like the killers you know in their Mm. in their usual way he's such a dynamic drummer yeah he's good and uh very good and i guess for them maybe it was it was just too much of a departure live or you know it was going to be too much of a drop in energy for them to play this so yeah and again i've i've had that i've had that before i was saying to barney recently when we did royals by lord that tune where's she now lord um but when we did that song my original thought for that was that it was just going to be spd electronic drums with kind of very hushed brass and then it's kind of it turned into some Afrobeat thing when we played it live. Um, so I kind of I suppose I preempted it a bit and thought this time round, oh, you know, there's no way that at quarter to midnight on a Friday night in Brixton Blues Kitchen, people are going to want to stand through five and a half minutes of pitter patter. <laughs> also, you can't preempt what. 10 nasty bastards are going to do to your yeah. arrangement once you <laughs> yeah, once you let exactly. it out of your your cold dead yeah. hands it's gone yeah. it's going to change it's and it's gone. not what you wrote no but uh, but it was this time it. <laughs> yeah but um yeah those those little those little slithers at the end um there's a bit of on top uh there's a bit of mr brightside Dicky plays a kind of major version of the um, synth fill in Jenny Was a Friend of Mine. And then Smile Like You Mean It is also in there. And Andy, You're a Star. Then there is the I Got Soul But I'm Not a Soldier bit from all these things that I've done. Oh, and a bit of uh, glamorous indie rock and roll, I think, as well. Yes, please. I mean, it's great to bring it all back because that album is it's not a, it's not the best balanced album in the world. We've sort of wrestled with it a bit, haven't we, when we've done it's it such live? Because yeah. you just... Top heavy, maybe. Yeah, and so, you know, ideally, in an ideal world, it probably should have finished it with... Um, all these things that I've done, you know, if you were to take right. it and pick it and pull it all around and spread it all around, but that's obviously that's not what they did, you know, and they just obviously wanted to everyone to get the, the hit early on from the album. And a lot of albums used to yeah. finish on a big sort of, used to get like your big album finish that was maybe a bit slower and a bit more wistful and reminiscent on albums. Champagne Supernova, is that an example? Yeah, yeah. And like, what's the end of it? Is it on Kings of Leon? Is it Arizona is one of their tracks, isn't it? They've got these sort of, you get mm. more of a ballady thing at the end. That's probably, maybe, I mean, maybe that's what they were going for. I don't know. I don't know. Didn't we try that in one of our Killers shows where instead of playing the album in order, we mixed it up a little bit to see if we could spread out the 
most well-known tunes throughout the set. Yeah, yeah, we did. Try that once. Yeah, and I think it yeah. didn't really have the... Still didn't make a difference, I don't think. It was weird. We did oh, it well, as well. Yeah. Well, if people yeah. come... You know, if you're going to watch a show of an album being played all, all the way through, you probably know the album. Yeah. So... Yeah. We're sat there worried all, all, the, all the most well-known tunes are right at the top. But if, if you're a fan of The Killers, you probably know all of it. Yeah. 
feels like an exciting prospect. It always feels like it's going to be nice to do. And it is nice to do <laughs> a lot of the time. Um, but also this um, like this band brings challenges because I, like from, from my perspective, I'm trying to capture like the, the, the energy and the essence of the band mm. yeah. um, when we play live. And that's not that easy to do when you record things stacked up. You know, it's it's hard it's hard for us to get into a room all at the same time because of people's um timetables and because there aren't that many available places to, to do that kind of thing. So we um we recorded the drums down in Biggin Hill with James yeah. Knoll and that was great. But after that, it was a case of starting with starting from the bottom and 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 going up to the top. So we started with tuba and bass trombone, did the trombones and then the trumpets. So uh, God, that's boring. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's a good process, isn't it? Like, you know, trying to get all it, ten of us in one is, place. It is, is very kind difficult. of a. It's very much a, a building blocks type thing, and I always feel like anytime someone comes to sit or stand next to me and play their instrument is a case of trying to trying to get them to a position where they can kind of get the closest to their live sound mm. and their that live energy i think we're kind of growing in that together you know the first time i did something was paranoid android in 2017 done a Christmas EP since and now this and I think that at each stage we have kind of with our chemistry together we've got closer to to what the band are all about and I think the interesting and exciting thing about it is that we're uncovering things slowly that we didn't necessarily have at the beginning and now having the added dimension of having barney produce on this you know as part of this release too is just a very exciting thing for me because to hear different people's perspectives always opens up new possibilities and i think it's just that that thing isn't it with with art in any kind it's this this um openness and learning and then assimilating those ideas into what you do that allows something to grow and so um, yeah yeah that's i think that's what we're getting towards i found going in as a as a player to record with you this time was a really interesting uh process as well compared to what some of the recordings we've done in the past this felt a lot more organic so um things like when we turned up at your house and i started recording sat down and then a few notes in i was like well i don't think i've ever played a brasters gig sat down so why am i yeah why am i suddenly trying to record in that way so I lifted the stand up stood up and played it and also there was a lot more of this time i felt like you just pressed record and then just let me play through big yeah. chunks of it and yeah, like you said, trying to emulate exactly what would happen in a gig, right? Mm. And I think listening to what the end result is, that's come across in the end product is that it sounds it sounds like you're stood in the room watching a Brasters gig, whereas in the in the past 
Um, you know, it's all a link of I've definitely gone in and trying to make every note perfect or trying mm-hmm. to trying to get the, the everything as pre- precise as possible, which I guess is a result of going to classical music courses in music college and you have that drilled into you that everything should be a certain way. Whereas this time it was all a bit looser and I, yeah, I think it sounds definitely. much better because of it. Yeah, I think there's like... You, you know, there's never been one Brasted's gig in the history of Brasted's gig that hasn't had split <laughs> notes in it and and and, and uh-huh. fluffs and errors and stuff. But like, it's not about that. It's about the it's about the vibe, and like the that's what yeah. Like, as like you know, Johnny's been a, a great kind of um, someone a great person to partner up with over these eight tracks because we've been able to discuss and share our like sort of similar desires there that like we want to embrace that because why wouldn't you like if because one it sounds how we play live um and it will have that energy but two if you're less pernickety um about these things and if you don't zone in on people's um little fluffs and failings or whatever like you're you're gonna um get a much more confident and happy session out of them and that will come across in the track like there is no doubt about it that that if you zone in on someone and kind of make them self make them doubt themselves across a session that um that negativity that's in their head will come out in the track and you just don't want that um, so it's about like kind of creating a really comfortable atmosphere as well and <laughs> kind of just in the lights. Yeah. Just like, yeah, just get them to, to, to be them and get them to play how they mm. want to play and how they want to be. And obviously a little bit of coaxing and, and, and kind of um, propping up various bits. If it's like a phrasing thing or something like, oh, we, we all want to phrase this bit together like that. Fine. Whatever. Um, but like, once you once you got it, move on and don't kind of um, go round and round and round and round till you start banging your head against a brick wall and and the the result starts to go downhill because you're not going to use those takes because <laughs> they're getting worse. So it's kind of about um, that's a funny yeah. thing with with what we do as well. I mean, there 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 are some instruments that just they can warm up over hours, maybe mm. you know. Um, but that's I think that's from from my experience with you guys, that's very rare. Um it's rare that you know, something gets stronger and stronger and stronger over time. And we know as brass players that there's kind of sometimes there's a finite amount of time, you know, in a session that we have to to get our performance out. And so yeah, there is a focus on on, on just knowing when the time's right. I kind of have I, I like to have a bit of a, a rule of three with uh with recording anyway. I mean it's a mixture of hating editing, uh being a bit lazy, <laughs> but also something that I would try and hold on to which is a, a sense of spontaneity and, and, and just the idea that you, you yeah, you can put the time into practicing something again getting it to how you want it, but then by the time it comes round to recording you don't really want to be doing more than three of 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 anything, you mm-hmm. know. Um, 
it's just I don't know. Maybe 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 it does stop at just being a lazy thing. But I like the idea that you can you can perform a a song from start to finish, and that for me anyway that helps me kind of understand the whole arc of a song, and let it, you know instead of it being chopped up or you know having like fifty takes and just like picking notes from from take forty nine and take six and take seventeen and all that kind of thing. Um, I just don't think that approach would work with us. Maybe it will. It was even it was even more important in our session because the uh, first half or hour of my session with you was spent um, on the phone to you because it turns out you have two. There's a, another address the same as yours about 15 miles away from your house. <laughs> so yeah, what? 10 a.m. was was meant to start start at Johnny's, and the worst thing is that I'd got off the I'd got off the tram. And in hindsight, I was about 20 yards away from Johnny's house and I've put his address into Google Maps, realised it's 15 miles away. So I've got into a taxi, (laughs) paid for the taxi to take me to this other address, phoned Johnny and then he's had to come and pick me up. So, yeah, we started an hour late. We had tips tips from the top. Kai, you'd been there before. I know. It's confusing, (laughs) isn't it? Tip from the the top for any budding budding professionals. I, I I knew where he'd gone... Yeah, uh, when you when you called Kai, I knew where you'd gone. Have Sorry. you woken up there in Ubers before, Johnny? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What Home, you mean. please. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, I have to make, to make up for it. I um, uh, arrived with a box of Ferrero Rochers for your mother. Mm. Yeah. So that's. Yeah. I'm sure she didn't feel put out by. <laughs> yeah. Where is he? Really let me down, Kai. Yeah. <laughs> Kai's gonna be Kai's gonna be an hour late. Uh, my mum says well, he's going to need some kind of uh, hazelnut-coated <laughs> uh, business. It's the only way through this. <laughs> you know, it's the only way through this. Yeah, yeah what, Johnny, um, what you were saying... No, we about, had a nice time. I was going to say, what Sorry. you were saying about like, the the rule of three thing, like not pushing it too far past that. It's like, mm. I've been in your basement recording with you many times and we've had to have like that emergency cup of tea because there's just no point doing another take. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, it's it. a magic cup of tea. I think we've all had it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The magic cup of tea or in mine and Kai's case, we, it was a magic falafel wrap, I think. <laughs> it was, time, yeah. Wasn't it, Kai? Yeah, <laughs> we, uh, that lunch break really stretched out. We got talking about yeah. some real deep sort of uh, psychological <laughs> things, Yeah. <laughs> At the start of this conversation, when we were kind of all gathered in this virtual green room, I was about to tell you guys what um, my um, my kind of hindsight reference for this song. And then I didn't because I wanted to save it for now. And I, I, um, I even had to I had to Google the name of this song because I didn't I didn't know. I knew it was um, a Groove Armada song, but I didn't know the name of it. Um, but it's At uh, The River mm. by Groove Armada. Yeah. Um, and actually... When when I was doing it, I was thinking, oh, it was a bit like I was think I was thinking about Nangs by Tame Impala, and I was thinking about this Groove Armada tune, but I didn't know that it was them, and I didn't know what it was called, so I didn't know what to type into YouTube to get up that reference. And it was only this morning that I I thought, oh yeah, maybe it's Groove Armada. So in it went. But yeah, at the river. So was that so, a reference track when you were producing it or when no. you were arranging it? It was kind of like this subconscious reference track, you know? Yeah, yeah. It was I, like I was aware of that. I was aware of that kind of sound somewhere, but I didn't know 
at that, you know, a month or two ago, whenever it was that we did this, I didn't, I didn't know, um, I didn't know mm. the title of that song or who it was by. And it just came to me this morning. So I listened to it and I, uh, maybe I channeled a little of the energy of it, but, um, yeah, I kind of wish that I'd been able to listen to it at the time because it's a great, it's a great example. And that's just like to mention there as well, um, I think would make no bones about it that recording and arranging are so different, you know, arranging, you have this, you always have the, the live aspect to kind of represent your work. Whereas when it comes to recording, you know, you have this finite thing that's, that's there on Spotify or Apple music or whatever that you inevitably weeks later look back on and go, (laughs) why did I do that? why did I why didn't I do this why did I do that so I think in terms of like the kind of togetherness and community of this band as well that's been a big help to me is that we've learned together about how we're gonna make this band sound and it's never been from this position of like authority you know you guys will come over here and things will happen on my laptop that I don't understand uh, that I just have to kind of brush onto the carpet mm. well it's interesting isn't it because like what we're trying to do like we're not we're, we don't have a record contract we don't have unlimited funds we don't have you know, mm. time is a massive factor as well so the way that we're doing things and how we're doing them there's so many limiting factors on the way that we have to work like you know like we say like trying to get 10 of us in a room together yeah it'd be amazing to go into a big recording studio and just play and do it but sometimes that's difficult and so the way that you've you you know the way we've evolved into working with you johnny and yet now barney as well is such an amazing way because like you've got each individual instrument as if you would a guitar a bass drums a vocalist you've got that all now packaged in a way that right we can turn that up we can turn that down rather than you know people that don't know how recording works if you put a brass band in a room microphones are going to pick up things from other instruments so if one person goes wrong we've got to start again and do it all again you know like so it's like the way we're working with you is on a a level that's like we've had to sort of bang a square peg into a round hole but we're working it out and it's actually starting to bear fruit now isn't it it's starting to become like the way we want everything yeah that's that's an interesting concept because from the very start the very conception of this band there would be people who try and like understand how it works the classic one that we get all the time or less so now but was like you know where's the singer um you know that kind of thing (laughs) and you and and i think working with this band and working with anything that just is about you know a bit unexpected or outside the norm not that um brass covers bands are unexpected anymore but it kind of seems a bit overkill but you have to have (laughs) this sense of belief or courage in what you're doing just to know that even the fact that like this stage of the process might not make sense but it's the the ones in two or three i always feel Mm. like i don't know about you guys but i always feel like with this band and this is not to undermine what we're doing now and i'm glad i can say this in relation to something that I, I arranged is that like it's not finished you know this isn't how it ends mm. that's what's exciting to me is the idea that you know every time we come in together every time we do something new together like another limb gets added or one falls off you know to this whatever it is and it's a mm. and it's the kind of transformative nature of it that's exciting to me and and just makes me think oh yeah like next time we'll do that 
oh, the next time we won't do that. You know, that aspect of things is, mm. is um, yeah, and it is square peg in the round hole, but let's keep banging. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, you know, we want to, we want, you know, like it's 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 kind of interesting, is it? It's been so long between, like, we did a, a first album um, produced by the lovely uh, Jim Unwin who um, does a lot of stuff for Naxos and he sort of works a lot with a, a, a brass, a classical brass septet called Septura, who Dan West, our bass drum owner, plays in. And that was our first original one with him. And then obviously, like, you know, like we say, with factors of like money and time, people, you know, people's time and, you know, money to record stuff. Like that first one we kickstarted and we did it, you know, we got a load of money for it, which is great. Um, you know, but studios cost money being in rooms with people takes time and so there's sort of this big gap between doing that first album and then anything else that we did because you know we're busy we're all busy so once you've done something there's that tendency to sort of sit back relax and go oh right we've done that back to what we do but then you know you've got to push yourself again and like for us it's all ongoing we do it all the time but for people who don't know us you've got a there's got to be a way to access the band and that is yeah. through recordings and that's through videos and your online presence so you know th- these recordings mm-hmm. have to happen you know, you can't just let people carry on with iPhone footage of gigs and whatnot. That's just, that's not the way it happens. So these recordings have to happen for us to sort of keep going in a way. And like, you know, we're getting happier and happier with the results, which is great. Um, But yeah, it's just something that you can never sit still on and there'll be different ways. And yeah. And I mean, like, you know, working with Barney now as well, which is fantastic. Like, how are you because this is your first throw of the dice at like producing the band. Yeah. I don't know if you've produced any other things in the past. Only only things of my my own, like just just personally, like just me, like in in the room and getting to grips with um, software and and technology and hardware and things like that. But like, I mean, me and Johnny have been doing things of that setup for years like because of our brass quintet we were in we used to mm. always go and do exactly the same kind of thing um around his house and take it in turns um and then have a barbecue you know but like <laughs> sort of record record separately and then and then we'd, we'd have you know content we knew the importance of like having some stuff out there um yeah. and um so i've kind of just been watching that from afar i've just like yeah, I definitely have been massively informed by like what I've, the way I've seen Johnny do it over the years. Um, but mm. also ultimately like a massive role. What we do is actually quite simple. It's just, it's just horns, right? I get, I get mm. the drum tracks from that were done at, at James Knoll's place. And then we're just putting brass on top of that. And essentially more than um, some whiz kid with synths and technology and logic and stuff like that like I'm a, I'm a brass player who knows whether it's a good take or not and so like it kind of comes from that it's like half the job I w- would you agree John is that like you're kind of like NDing it actually um like yeah yeah I think there's you're not too worried about the tech because the tech is quite basic actually and then yeah well that was I think that was certainly my approach at the start of this was this the idea of like like you say about capturing the right take trying to get the best out of people in that sense and then you come to realize that if you're doing like a close mic um kind of one by one tracking of a band like we are you know just having eight eight stems of brass audio 
you know, it's so difficult, you know, when, when you're working with a song that has like, so, so many different layers and so, so many different points of interest and, and lyrics being one of those, um, what, you know, one of the biggest reasons that people find such like interest and such comfort in music is like the lyrical content. And so when you, when you take that whole element away, especially this time and with longer things, this is five minutes, five and a half minutes, Wonderwall is five minutes. It's a case of like, how can I take those just like raw brass stems of great performances, but retain an interest over all of this time? If I'm trying to recreate the band's live sound on record or trying to access that kind of sound, I'm not thinking about all the different plugins that you can do to kind of like manipulate the sound or whatever. But I felt like this time it was more necessary to do that. So, you know, technically wise to have more of a studio mix of these tunes and and just again just trying to find another another layer in in our sound really Uh, because so many of our gigs are just get there no sound check line check and and play working with a different sound engineer from from venue to venue so other than you know maybe one or two engineers who know us personally or know us as a band we have to have a very simple, straightforward live setup, and I guess this time round, and especially with everything will be all right, and the like, some of the phasey stuff, and the like, the reverb choices, and um, the eight oh eight drum kit and stuff. This was more of an opportunity for me to think how how can it be interesting? Um, other, you know, and I think there's pro- I don't, there's probably like fifty tracks of audio on this as opposed to the 10 that we might have had or 15 that we might have had just from older with older older songs we're not really releasing an ep we're not releasing an album we're going out as all um all as singles so we can release something weekly or whatever um and obviously the best place, the best way to put these in front of people is sometimes, you know, people like things to look at. It's nice to have a visual when you're listening to something, especially if you're going to put it on social media. Um, and obviously Barney, um, before having dipping his toe into arranging, uh, sorry, producing, he's done a lot of our video work for us as well. You know, just sort of Barney, Barney, like, oh yeah, I do videos. <laughs> and, and yeah, he does. And he's, he's blooming good at it. He's, um, he's really good at it. And, but obviously we're now in lockdown as well. So we can't all get together and film stuff. Um, so we're sort of having to find different ways. And so Barney, you know, each video, each single will have a video to go with it. Like, you know, that's what we want. Somehow we're going to do this. Yeah, magically, somehow, without being able to go and film anything. And, you know, it is, it is interesting because, you know, sometimes we sort of, it must feel like we're giving Barney homework every single day. But, you know, Barney's, because of his amazing video skills, we do go to him and go, Barney, we need a video. What can you do? And he's just like, there he is mixing, <laughs> mixing, mixing a, a tune. You know, he's, he's already deep in some other kind of work and he's, you know, amazing how you can just sort of sometimes just turn around and go, oh, yeah, actually, look at this that I've just done. And it's amazing. Yeah, so, well, do you know what? It's a dangerous thing. Like, I, um, I think I enjoy the video thing far too much because like I have absolutely turned around to you on occasions and been like, Chris, I'm getting really worried about like workload. I don't know if I can have anything like that done for you in the next couple of weeks, blah, blah, blah. And then 
some idea will take its form in my head and I will just drop everything and do it. And I'll be up <laughs> till three in the morning for a couple of nights and just be like, I'm so excited about this thing I've done. And to yeah. my, yeah, like it, I'm, I do it to myself really, but yeah, um, yeah you're a bit of a glutton for punishment. Yeah. Um, but, but I really, one, really so- enjoy it. And yeah, the, obviously with everything will be all right. was our first uh, release of these new eight tracks and mm. We we had uh, we were just all talking on Zoom a little while ago about just like some nice some nice foot. It didn't have to necessarily be uh, a really deeply thought out music video as some of our things in the past have been, like, you know, two day shoots and scripts and stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, mem- people memorizing uh, one take long shots and all that sort of stuff. It, it was just like we just need some nice stuff to look at. Yeah. Um, and just while on the Zoom call with you all, I just found some nice um, stock footage, which is free to use. Um, and I was like, ah, oh, this is cool. And it was just like, it was time lapse. We were talking about time lapses a lot. Um, and that I think that initially came from the fact that we were... We we're all thinking about rainbows quite a lot because of <laughs> because of um, the isolation drawings and stuff that have been going on, and then it was like let's film the sky, let's film the sunrise and sunset, let's film a whole day, and and it was like well logistically I'm not sure I'm not sure I have a, like a, a camera that can fit a day on a SD card <laughs> or, or I don't have the cables and I don't know what it was it was like it's not I don't know if I can get that done let's look at stock footage and and then it was like well time lapses of anything are pretty cool actually and then um and then so then found these opening and closing flowers and quickly bashed something together that was quite basic and not not paced in any sort of way it was just like here's some footage with the music do you guys like it? And then Dave Gagan was like, well, why don't, this is a nice idea. Why don't we treat it as pre-singing chorus? Everything's, everything's kind of closing down, um, dying. <laughs> Use that footage, the, the reverse time-lapse. And then, and then after the singing, the, sort of, the sun comes out, so to speak, and, and everything comes alive again. And, and it's like a, a, a vague message of hope. Um, which was a nice thing, I think. And and so then adding in some literal sunrise and everything, you start to think, oh man, the, the earth is nice, isn't it? And um, and the sky is nice and the sea is nice. And, and it was like, well, let's get all the elements in there. So, and there's ups and downs in that song, parts that feel calm, parts that feel quite violent and emotional. And so there's all these opportunities to, to explore the elements of of the earth and, and sort of, so that's why you've got fire and volcanoes in there as well. But then you've got sort of sweeping drone footage, all uh, free to use, all, <laughs> all out there and available um, and uh, pieced together. So you've, yeah, you've got all this stuff that tells a little story across the video, not, not to get too deep with it, mm. but it's, it's just a, it's just a, a, a little nod to an idea. Yeah. And then these flowers start coming back to life and then there's a lovely sunset at the end. It's just some, it's just some stuff to look at, but it's sort of, it, then I was able, obviously the footage comes from all sorts of different places, looks very different. So then you bundle it all together. You try and tie it up visually. So it's all, uh, we made it just look kind of like it was um, quite sort of seventies, mm. didn't we? Um, a bit saturated. And a bit, a bit like a kind of public information film, like from Look Around You or something like that. 
because the killers are always quite retrospective in their style, aren't they? They often feel quite 80s and 70s and stuff. So I think like it, it went quite well visually to the music. But anyway, it, going forward with, with the other videos, it, it constantly feels like, oh, we have, we have no footage. And then, and then I, and I suddenly go, oh, hang on, we've got that <laughs> thing there that we did ages ago, I haven't used that yet, blah, blah, blah. So I'll talk about that more in future podcasts yeah. about the other tracks. But like, um, as it stands, um, due to things we already had filmed, um, without kind of really knowing what it was being filmed for yet, we have probably four or five videos sorted and by the time it comes to the last few, hey, maybe we'll be allowed out and about. I don't know. Or maybe I'll film um, some like Lego film <laughs> on my floor. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know yet. <laughs> we don't yeah. know what's going to happen. And something but, I'm always yeah. quite keen for us to sort of get away from. And a lot of people I know, I know they do it because it's probably, it, it's a very easy way to get a video and some audio done at the same time. It's just, I'm very keen for us never to be like, just shooting ourselves stood in a studio playing something because mm. I watch I watch a lot of videos mm. like that and I, I just my attention span just I get in no matter who it is or how good it is I get about a minute or so in and I go oh yeah that's good I've seen all these faces yeah, I totally I'm off understand now. that but you know I think you know, we're we're you know and that's all the things you do Barney are great because I think you know we just we're trying to get away from that and there's always got to be something different to what we do you know, like, you know, like the paranoid mm. Android video was just a recreation of the whole, the whole cartoon. And then the stay another day one, um, you know, we got let loose in a green screen place, which, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I tell you what, you're going <laughs> to, I feel bad about how many times um, people from that green screen shoot are going to pop up <laughs> in the next eight videos because I, just because I, I need some footage of someone holding a, a trumpet and I can put them over yeah. any background. Um, I'm trying not to overdo it, but, yeah. um, but it's great. Yeah. But I mean, we may not have, you know, millions and millions of videos, but I think the ones that we do are interesting and really nice to, to watch. And that's the important yeah. thing about like, it, isn't it? The reco- recording, just us playing in a room and stuff like that's how I, um, I'm no master or professional at this, but I really enjoy it. And, that was like the way I cut my teeth with it really. It was like doing quintet stuff with um, Johnny um, going back 10 years. Um, it, it was just like, let's just film ourselves doing it um, and we'll put that out. And But you're right. Like it, it, it does, it does often feel like it needs more to it than that. And um, I mean, even when we went and did just uh, shake it off, mm. we went and recorded shake it off as a, a video just to have, some stuff to use for promoting gigs or whatever. Shake it off and move on up. We went and filmed that in Omira. And even in the shoot, we got bored yeah. with the idea of that and ended up creating a whole storyline because Seb <laughs> found a, a cool-looking photo booth. And then and then within, like, ten minutes, was like, oh, okay, we're actually making a music video with a story yeah. now. And, like, um, so there's two versions of that video. One where we are just playing and it's pretty boring and I'm sure people will zone out after one minute and one with a storyline and people might zone out after a minute and a half. But yeah. like, uh, yeah, it, 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 I think it's better to have yeah, more sure. to it. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, yes, yeah, so I guess um, thanks to everyone today. Um, thanks to everyone. Yeah, thanks thanks to every single person in the First of all, world. sorry. <laughs> no, I just... really um, bad, sorry. No, sorry, it's all Chris. good. No, I, I'm just trying to... I zoned out of professional mode and became an idiot again. Sorry. <laughs> it's all good. 
Um, I guess, yeah, we just need to sign off, don't we? So, I mean, it's just like, if, if you've enjoyed it, if you want to like and subscribe, rate and review, uh, there's going to be seven more of these and then maybe more in the future, um, depending on how we get on. But this is our first one, so we're just sort of cutting our teeth a little bit, seeing how we get on. But um, if you've liked it, the next one up is going to be uh, for our single Wonder War. Um, so we're going to talk about that and we'll have some of the arrangers in and other guys that have played on it. Um, but yeah, and uh, yeah, stay stay healthy and safe. Cheers. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.